And thank you, Tim Sweet, who's filling in for Craig today. Wasn't he fabulous? The talent is going deep in our community. It's awesome. What if God was one of us? Anyways, I love that song. So today, like I said, creation story. Really thought we'd go back to the beginning. There's a lot of energy in the beginning. So here's how we're going to do it. Some of the original founding team that are still in current leadership are going to take turns telling a little piece of the pie. And then I'll come up and wrap it up. So Frank is going to start with our prehistory, so to speak. Mainline Unitarian Church was the one that really helped us launch. Then Jim is going to talk about um, our, our, the planting team, as we call it, small group experience. Chris is going to talk about creating our beliefs and values. And then I'll wrap it up. So that's what we're going to do today, okay? So just to start off, Frank Kaplan, if you want to come on up. So this morning I come in and the buzz is, what, what are you guys going to do? And um, somebody came over to me and said, is this the Wellsprings nativity scene? I said, no. <laughs> what, what we're going to do is we're going to do uh, something that is not B.C. before Christ. It's B.B. before Belden. What I'm going to do is uh, give you a story on uh, the, um, what evolved behind the scenes. Uh, as you know, the MLUC, Mainline Unitarian Church, was the, um, look at them as being the parenting of us. And um, if you can just think for a moment what you would have done if you had been given this uh, opportunity and how it would have moved. So Mainline Unitarian Church was a full congregation. Uh, they had uh, and still have about, um, I believe it's over 600 members. Um, but they had a challenge. They went to two services, as we're going to do, and then the parking lots were full. It was crowded. This precluded certain people who wanted to come in uh, and see what was going on. So they thought, well, should they do a three-member or, or a three-church um, uh, congregation? Or do they think of something else? About that time, and this was uh, about 2001, that they were thinking of, of changing this. How do they make this long-term um, evolve into something different? A lot of people, uh, as you know, were trying to grow nationally the um, UU movement. There's a um, long-term or long-time member, some of you know, Dale Tweedy of MLUC, and interestingly, several of these um, members came from uh, General Electric when they were working on the space program. So you had engineers, people were very creative, and they were the people that, um, a lot of the people who were the catalyst of uh, MLUC. So they decided, it was Del Tweedy that um, started a, uh, he organized a growth committee to explore different ways to sustain and grow the faith. And they decided to do a research feasibility study. In this study, it was intense. It included research, and this, this started around 2004. First, we had a 15 to 18 mile geographic radius from MLUC. Would, would this, this was a study to um, evolve into another church. So again, back, if you were part of MLUC and you wanted to um, create another congregation that would be, at that time, we thought it would be part of MLUC, 
we did this feasibility study. It was interesting. We were challenged with names. So we started out with a pilot program, and it was called MLUC West Campus. We didn't know for sure where this West Campus would be. So back to the study, we did a 15 to 18-mile geographic radius from MLUC, and that's in the Malvern area, uh, just beyond Malvern, along the main line. So do we want to go east, west, north, south? And then the next part of the study, it was an impact study affecting other U, U congregations within this radius. You know, there's, there's Pottstown, there's Westchester, there's um, several other communities, Collegeville, that aren't that far from where we are. And we didn't want to uh, take away from the other congregations. Then we did the demographic, psychographic studies, and then, very importantly, funding. How will we get funding for this new congregation? So we started out with um, our own funding, and then UUA, Unitarian University Association, the National Assembly, was interested in growing large congregations more than um, what fellowships are. Fellowship is a smaller congregation, and they found that um, to really sustain the growth and grow U uh, Unitarian as a um, a religious organization or a spiritual organization, we needed a large congregation. So they came to us and they said, us, meaning MLUC, here's a really strong organization that um, has 600 members, and they saw us kind of a model community, and they thought, well, you want to grow another community, be an adjunct to uh, MLUC, but um, why not, we'll, we'll help you with this, help us. Well, they gave they gave us $250,000 to help uh, grow this. And um, this was to build the large uh, congregation. So then at the same time, we were searching for, a lot of you wonder, where are we going to get, where are we going to live? Where are we going to house this uh, church in the future? Well, back then, we thought, you know, if you build a church, people will come running. Not true. That's not part of what this is all about. We decided, and, and UUA also said, no, look, we'll give you the money to start this, but we want you to build it from in. Do, you know, get a good um, minister going, um, have a good uh, youth spirit program and so forth. So as you know, you see this evolving. This is the way the decision was made. Forget the real estate. Let's go systemically from the ground up. But we spent a lot of time. Larry Jeffers, Larry, where are you? Yeah, Larry was very involved in uh, part of this uh, growth committee and um, looking for, we were all involved in looking for a place to um, uh, have our church and actually have a building. And then actually we had um, several people who were going to put up money, I think interest-free at the time, Larry, that uh, would have um, helped sustain this. But then the, the concept changed. And then, most importantly, you say, all right, here's a good idea. But now that it's going to be um, partially sponsored by UUA and other groups, how do we sell this within, if, if you were part of this congregation and as we get to be 400 members and we want to, that's a scenario we, we may want to face someday, how do you grow another congregation and where do you put it? So we had to sell to our own congregation that this was good because they were concerned about, all right, finances as good as MLUC was, finances are a challenge. How many people are going to run off and go to this new, what we called at the time, uh, the West Campus? Uh, this was a big concern. 
And then at one of the uh, meetings, we decided that we were going to, it was a congregational meeting, we had to, I, I was a part of that, had some really good questions about the runoff and, and so forth. And my answer was that, look, as a national uh, organization, actually international, UUA wants to grow the, um, our spiritual community. So the comp my, my comment was the compliment, yes, there will be people that will leave. There are some of us here that were part of MLUC. But more than that, it's going to grow the uh, spirituality um, internationally. And uh, so that was fine. And then we finally convinced them that we were going to do this. And uh, by the way, MLUC has contributed. I think it's ending now, Chris, but um, sustaining us. They were, they were a major part of it. Uh, something very important that uh, you've seen happen here is that uh, if you've gone to other UU congregations, we were not just going to clone MLUC, and Ken, Ken made this apparent when he um, was hired. He said, this is going to be a unique congregation, and um, I applaud the people who have been a part of um, the growth committees and uh, putting this together, because I think we have something special, and it shows with today we're a little lean for good reasons, but um, I you know, we're growing in it, and it's working really well. Um, so we had the blessing from MLUC. Then we're saying, all right, we have to hire a minister. How do we hire a minister? Well, UUA provides, we, we had part of a search committee, which um, some of us in here were involved in, to look for a minister. This is not easy if anybody's been involved in any other churches. Um, or synagogues to, to find a minister, to find somebody that's really going to uh, be a true leader. UUA gave us um, ideas for this. Then we had to search them, search their background, make sure that they haven't robbed too many banks and, you know, <laughs> that, that, they're, that they're good people. Uh, we were, we were um, they brought us a woman who was very good, and we thought, well, okay, let's, let's wait for the next person. And Ken came, <clears throat> Ken came along, we interviewed him, and you know how animated, how powerful Ken is. Well, after we saw Ken, we thought, we don't really need to look for anybody else. And actually, there weren't, at that time it was lean, there weren't too many people available. But um, we brought him up here from Florida. He was warm and comfortable down there. He came up here, it was raining, it was chilly, and I could just see him. I, I greeted him at um, MLUC, and I took him around the area. And I was hoping he wasn't thinking, what the heck am I doing? This is crazy, because it was one of those days the wind was blowing. And um, I was hoping he was happy, at least with the environment. And as you know, Ken, he grew up not that far from here, or part of his growing up, and uh, went to Hill School. So he was telling me, you know what, I, need, I, I really feel comfortable in this area, and I'm looking for the challenge for the new congregation. Then we, get, we went into, um, okay, so we had, we narrowed it down, we got, we got Ken, then we formed a steering committee. And these were people who were invited to begin working in our new religious community, that's uh, Wellsprings. And uh, we, we had a committee that uh, came up with a name, which of course is, is Wellsprings. Uh, Ken had a name that um, he felt very strongly about, but it was, uh, an esoteric um, 
name that I, we didn't think would register that well with people who didn't know anything about this. So we, that was the first challenge is to see how flexible Ken was. And <laughs> Ken is, as we all know, a very strong person, but he also is gifted in the way that he's, um, he listens to people. Right, Teresa? He does listen to some people, but he recognizes talent. So we, we worked on that, and then uh, these groups, uh, they, they were initially at our house, uh, Suzanne and my house. We met, and uh, we were looking for more people to get involved. And then uh, through the, the help of Larry Jeffords, we, we found an office in Eagle, and that's where the structure began for our DNA. Uh, we, Ken, at that time, was another reason I think this is working well he was interviewing the movers and shakers in our community. He, he spoke to other ministers, he spoke to political people, and um, you know, tried to get a feel of what was happening in this area. And a quick, how's the time? Okay. <laughs> Just one, one quick last thought. The, um, what um, we did then was we, we had a planning team, and it was basically the forming of our, a, a quasi-board to um, begin this whole process. So I'm getting into somebody else's uh, story now. Jim Riley is going to speak next. And um, he's been very involved in this from the uh, beginning. Thanks, Jim. Thank you, Frank. Um, so for me to tell you about the Wellsprings creation story, I have to tell you how I was born again. And I do mean born again just the same way as our Christian colleagues refer to it. For in the book of John, it states, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born again. I, I grew up as a Baptist in the South. And in the Baptist faith, the one thing that distinguishes it from its other Protestant uh, relatives is that uh, they believe in adult baptism. So that when you reach a certain age, you have to go in front of your peers wearing a see-through white angelic outfit and profess your faith that Jesus Christ is your savior. And then they then dunk you in the water, and then you are now saved. Um, and so I went through the whole process, but I got to the point where it was my time to do that. And I kind of talked to my parents. I said, you know, I don't actually believe this. And therefore, <laughs> I kind of felt awkward um, going in front of there saying that I did. So that was the end of my religious development at the age of 16. Um, so let's flash forward 20 years. So now I'm up here, I have a wife, a two children, they're young, and I'm going, you know, while I didn't really buy into, there was a value in religious community that I thought by not taking my children, I'd be depriving them of something that they could make their own choices on. And so I'm looking around, I'm going, where can I find a church where I'm not going to stand up in the middle of sermon and say, no, you are wrong. <laughs> And so I'm you know, out one night with some neighbors, and we're at a bar, and we're drinking a few beers. And what sometimes it happens, you're drinking a few beers, you start talking about God. And I start... <laughs> You've all been there? Been there? Um, and so I'm, I'm drinking a few... And then I'm describing what I, you know, what, I, what I believe. And one of my neighbors says, you know what? You're a Unitarian. And I said, uh, you know what? And... <laughs> 
sure enough, we did some research. I had never, never heard the term Unitarian in my entire life prior to that one moment. Um, so we visit the Westchester Church and kind of, okay, I can deal with this. We, you know, migrate to MULC. And, you know, I'm sitting there. I'm enjoying the sermons. My kids are in religious education. Check. Got that done. Then one day, I'm sitting next to this very distinguished gentleman, and he did introduce himself as Del Tweedy, which we've heard of previously. And I really hadn't made any connections with the church. I was kind of very comfortable sitting in the back, kind of minding my own business, showing up, going home. And he engaged me in a conversation and told me about the new church that was coming out here. I said, well, that's great, because I live out here. And he said, well, why don't you come to some of our meetings? I said, okay, okay I'll, I'll make a little step of faith here. And kind of got caught up in all of the things that Frank talked about. And, you know, meeting Ken for the first time was an extremely dynamic. Because here you saw somebody who had the energy, had the belief, you know, really, you know, as the fact that most of us aren't here today, um, Ken is the nucleation force that is <laughs> that drives this course. Um, and so I don't need to preach about Ken to, to, to this group. Um, but he invited me to become a planter. And so... I said, okay, we'll plant. So I thought this was going to be an administrative job. I thought we'd find post office boxes and we'd find uh, where we're going to meet. And sure, we had to do some of that stuff. But it, it really was not the point of the planting. The point of the planting was to develop a spiritual community. And Ken basically told us is that, well, we're going to have this class. And at the time, it was called Listening to Our Lives. Now you guys know it as Wellsprings 2.0. And for me, this was a, a radical departure because, you know, it wasn't like I was like, oh, doing all the administrative stuff. I actually had to um, open myself as well as, you know, connect with people and, and learn. So those of you who have taken the course, you know that we get into some pretty heady, deep subjects in which you have to kind of tell what do you feel about death, what do you feel about God, and... Um, it was a it was a very community building process because you know these people I really didn't know that well, um, and but through this process you really see a part of them that really doesn't get exposed in your work relationships you know even in your marriage or whatever you really open up a part of you that rarely sees the at least for me didn't see the light of day and so um, you know and you 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 got your crayons you're reading you know you know John Spong and you're reading poems from Mary Oliver and you're kind of going all right this is this is religious community and so one night coming home from that I was just like unusually charged because I'm generally a pretty low-key guy I don't get all that excited but I came home and I was like this is awesome I mean I felt the charge of the soul in ways that I've never had felt before. And, you know, it was, it was a born-again experience. It was like, I can live as a religious person with integrity. And for me, Wellsprings opened that up for me. And so, now I'm going to tell you about, you know, what the, the, the real part of this is that what Ken really wanted this to happen is, because you can always have this spark. You can always gather that. But how do you maintain that? How do you keep that going? How do you keep that? Because it's hard. There's a lot of things working against you. You know, family, work, whatever. There's lots of things that drown you to what religion can be. In reality, it's one of the most important things that we have, but we tend to shelter it out. And so it's exercise. If you want to be a good athlete, you need to practice. You want to be smart, you got to read. If you want to be a spiritual person, you got to do spirituality. 
Well Springs is not a spectator sport. You have to get involved. You have to do your daily spiritual practice. And for us as Unitarians, you know, we don't have the litanies. We don't have the readings. We don't have the things that most churches consider ritual. We are tasked with developing our own ritual. And there's a lot of freedom in that, but there's also a lot of work. (laughs) And there's a lot of, you know, there's no church lady, you know, checking you off. Oh, yes, you did your thing today. I mean, we're accountable to ourselves. And that's, you know, that's why, you know, you can't do it alone. And I think that's, that's, that's Ken's overarching mission to us, is to form a spiritual community in which we can nurture our growth. Um, so, maybe in a lot of time I'll, I'll you know, go through some of that. Um, so that's, that's really what I wanted to, you know, say that Wellsprings was really founded upon spiritual community. It was found by those nine people sitting in a room with Ken, going through, trying to understand each other, trying to develop the platform, the tools, if you will, to, to grow as a spiritual person. And, you know, with that, you know, that, you know, we were, we're so excited. We want to come away with a keep it going. So that's why we have springboards, because it's in the small groups that you really grow. You can sit here and listen, but you're listening. You're not participating. This is spectating. The action happens when you're in a small group and you're, and you're, or doing your daily spiritual practice. Um, and so, you know, Del Twitty often said to us is that, you know, the world would be a better place if there, would be, if there were more you use. And that's something that really, really strikes home because the world would be a better place. <laughs> uh, we'd have a lot more tolerance, we'd have a lot more understanding, and we'd have a lot more community. And so I think Wellsprings is a place where the demographic, which I think I am in this neighborhood, there's a lot of people sitting home right now that would like to get born again in the waters of Wellsprings. And I think that's the mission of this place is to, is to find them, get them in here, and have them you know, experience religion with, with, with integrity. Okay, so you may have heard a segment on NPR called This I Believe. Um, I've heard it sometimes on the way to church, and sometimes I've had to pull over because it's brought me to tears. Um, Just people pouring their souls out about what their deep convictions are. And if you're anything like me, if you've heard this, you may have even had a thought about, maybe I'll write an essay for this, I believe, and submit it. And if you're anything like me, that's probably lasted all of about five seconds. Um, (laughs) But... You know, so let's, let's think about this. Let's do a little thought experiment here. Imagine that right now you had to write your This I Believe essay. Right now, right here, what would you say? What would you say? What, to, what is your answer to the question, what is it that I believe? Now imagine that you have 10 other people in the room with you, and you all need to agree on one This I Believe statement that is universally true for all of you. And that's where we were, the planting team, in January of 2006, faced with that daunting task. Not just a blank piece of paper, but a blank piece of paper before all of us as a team together. Luckily, we had some help. Ken saw that it was probably the time in our development after we'd been through listening to our lives that 
it was probably good to get some outside advice. And so he actually had a uh, church consultant come, somebody who had been involved in a lot of startup churches. Named, his name is Tom Bandy. And this was a powerful experience for us because um, it, it was a little bit of tough love, to be honest. Um, we were very proud of ourselves, you know, that we had been through 2.0, um, what became 2.0, that we kind of had bonded as a team, and we were raring to start this church. And the outcome of our visit with Tom Bandy was really slowing down a little bit um, and really thinking about, all right, well, we can't just go start something when we don't even know what it's about yet. If we don't know who we are in the world, we're not going to be able to have a strong foundation to move forward and be successful as a congregation. So he talked to us a lot about what we call DNA, and you probably hear us talk about DNA a lot. And what that means, it's really, the way I see it, is mutual accountability. And, and you hear the core values, what he calls the bedrock beliefs, um, the vision and the mission. Those serve as the blueprint for who we are as both individuals, the congregation as a whole, and the small groups that exist within the congregation. But Tom was very clear with us that DNA is not about what you say, it's about what you do. And it's not about what you do on Sunday morning so much, as it is about what you do in your daily life, about what you do when someone cuts you off in traffic, about what you do when there's a long line at the supermarket and there's someone that wants to argue every coupon. It's about that type of thing. And he stressed to us the need for individual spiritual discipline as the bedrock for congregational life. Because the temptations of anyone, if you've ever started anything, if you've ever been the founder of anything, he really cautioned us about the temptation of arrogance and hypocrisy and said, you do not want to fall into that trap because you will fail. And so here we were with this challenge of clearly stating who we are. And our answer to him when he said, well, who are you, is we said, well, we are not dogmatic. And he said, that's not an answer to the question. That's who you're not. And, you know, one way of thinking about this is there's a big difference between saying, I am not an omnivore, and saying, I am a vegetarian. And there's a difference between saying, I am a vegetarian, and saying, I am a vegetarian because I believe in the ethical treatment of animals. And so he really challenged us to describe and understand the faith behind the works. Not just what we were going to do, but how we were going to do it and why we were doing it. To make a positive, affirmative statement about what Wellsprings was to be. One of the key decisions that we made here, and I'm really grateful for this, is that we decided to push our launch back from September of 2006 to January of 2007 because we realized that we were going to need some time to work all of this out. The other thing was that because we had had such a powerful cellular group experience in going through listening to our lives, we realized that it would be important to begin by having more people have that experience that shared experience of, of what being in what became 2.0 was like. So we gathered together and we built on that trust and mutual accountability that we developed in what became Wellsprings 2.0. And ever since that, 
um, I have been accountable to the DNA. We have been accountable to the DNA. Um, and I'll give you an example for Wellsprings and, and, and then one for me personally. Um, Maria mentioned when, when we received the offering this morning that 100% 100, 100 of the offering goes to the clinic. I'll be honest with you, when we first started, that answer was going to be 50%. We're going to give half of our offering away to somebody else. Um, and we really thought about that. Um, Ken and I had a meeting um, right before we launched services and talked about that and said, you know, that's just not going to cut it. We, we, we have said that what we're about is abundance, that what we're about is that there is enough. And if we're going to hold back half that offering for ourselves, we're really sending the world a very, very different message. And it, it's those kinds of decisions, both small and large, that we have made every day um, as, as we grow and as our teams grow and develop um, that I think really have made a difference in terms of um, our integrity and our ability to say, yes, this is really who we are. And not just to say it, but to show it. Personally, I've also been held accountable and found myself, um, you know, there's kind of that little discomfort that you have when you realize that something's not quite right. Um, my big aha moment that came from being on the planting team was that, well, and if you've ever read the brochure, I think it's still on the back table. You can see the whole story that I, <laughs> um, as I presented it back then. But um, I described myself as being uh, in a constant state of late, lost, and can't find my stuff. Uh, <laughs> and um, part of the problem was that I had separated my life into these categories and said, all right, well, this is my calendar for work, and this is my church calendar, and this is my calendar when I started dating Owen. Well, this is my Owen and Chris calendar where we're going to have mutual things together. And I found myself double, triple scheduled. Like, it was a disaster. And I realized that I needed to bring all of that together and start making some decisions and doing some discernment about what really mattered to me. And um, I didn't see that at first as a religious act, but I, I now see that that really is, that, that saying, you know, this is who I am in the matter, this is who I am in the world, and yes, spending time with my husband is more important than this work meeting, um, is something that I need to do in order to be a whole person and have integrity. And I actually came to see that word um, more, much more broadly. In other words, um, having integrity means being integrated, means being whole, means being put together. And, and that was, um, although I, I don't necessarily see myself as being born again in the powerful way that Jim was, I, I think I evolved in very, very real and very powerful ways as a result of being involved with Wellsprings. DNA is not static, though, and I, I don't want you to think that it's visited wisdom, that it's written on the tablets up here and they can never be modified or altered. It's something that will grow and change with all of us present today and those who are not here today, with those of us, with those of us that we haven't even met yet who are going to be the next visitors to walk through the doors. We will continue as a community to listen to our lives and the wisdom they contain. We as a community and as individuals are always in the process of becoming who we are called to be. And that's what Wellsprings is about.
You've heard the history before the planters came together from Frank. You've heard our small group spiritual awakening through Jim's experience. You've heard how we created the beliefs and values, our DNA, from Chris. It's our creation story, but you'll notice we haven't even spoken about the nitty-gritties. We haven't spoken about worship space, parking, chairs, childcare, budgets, refreshments, staffing, office space, insurance, ministry teams, sound system, name tags, Sunday handouts, websites, databases, and the weekly song selection for our wonderful band. Oh, fun, fun factoid. Two weeks before we started, we knew we wanted to have a band. We didn't have a band. <laughs> we were like, okay, we're going to have a band. And then, you know, Shazam, <laughs> Andy showed up. <laughs> Thank you. We're going to have a rock and roll church, but we don't have a rock and roll band. All right. And the reason, reason why I want to say that to you is that the how and the what doesn't matter anywhere near as much as the why and the who. So all that other stuff, you can catch any of us. You can talk, you know, you could ask us about the lease and about the printing of the handouts and all that stuff. Um, but really it matters about the who and the why, the why we're here. Jim, um, we were emailing back and forth um, this week to make sure we had a cohesive message to give you. And Jim said, I really believe Ken has an explicit plan on how to get God spirituality back into UUism, Unitarian Universalism. One, adopt what was working in other faiths. Rock music gets folks moving, casual dress, donuts, um, a vibrant new spirit program. Two, DNA, get the founders to buy in which the DNA we keep on saying is beliefs and values, to replicate, defend it at all costs. Wellsprings is not about the founders. It's not about the minister. It's not about the staff. It's about everything else. It's about the beliefs and values because all the other things are replaceable. And a church of small groups will grow. And spiritual daily practice, which is a challenge um, for those of us that haven't grown up, praying or um, um, meditating or whatever have you. That is the bedrock because ritual is the only way for folks to grow and deepen themselves or live with presence. And in many small groups, you'll notice of our springboards, you'll notice we try and offer one of these every um, season to help those of us kind of new into that, learn that. So back to you. What would your belief statement be? That's what Chris was talking about. We had to do the soul work together before we could start writing it. I mean, imagine asking the questions of yourself or ourselves. Okay, now we're going to create, declare to the world, and pledge to live by these belief statements. So what's that going to be? This immediately, I mean, really did. It crystallized our true feelings. It does that. Demanded that we listen to each other, that we respect each other, that we create consensus about our God belief. Really, it happened in that small group setting. And we had to do it in a way that would be the bedrock for a congregation, a church, and would be big enough to include everyone in the universe. There's a lot of energy when you, when you talk about that. I mean, you can get like, whoa, or you can go, oh my goodness, we get to be who we want to be. We get to say who we're going to be for the world. And there's that uh, chargeful living statement again, because we felt that energy. And whenever we would brainstorm, that's, that word energy just kept coming back. That's why I picked that song, my favorite song, by the way, energy that you guys played. Ken often talks about um, uh, liberal religion being about God speaketh, not spake. It's happening now. It's not that it's in, in the past. You know, we created our beliefs and values, but how not to have them become some dusty stone tablets, the commandments. Um, and Bandy said cellular growth is what he called it, small groups. It's the only way to go. But the small groups is, 
is the heart of us. It's the heart of our experience, and it's how we recreate ourselves. We wanted you all to recreate. We wanted to give you, you have that experience that we had that created our, our, our congregation. So that's why we pre-launched. That's why we had the, the, the small groups before we had our first Sunday service in January of 2006. And as Jim says, courage to live a deliberate life requires spiritual community. It was, one, it was the wonderful, challenging, nurturing small group experience that we planters had that translated to our understanding that small groups are the best way to allow folks to create the relationships and support that enable the spiritual growth. Um, many people in the room, you've taken a springboard, you've taken a small group. If you haven't, happen to be invested in springboards, um, our small groups for spiritual growth. Um, this is the connection between hearing about our history and understanding what it means to you. We had our small group, and we'll have lots more, but the ones that matter the most to you are the ones that you show up for. That's what it's about. Wellsprings is and what it means is being created again and again for each, enough, each of us as we participate. One of our beliefs uh, that we say, and I'm going to quote here, is the burning bush is blazing everywhere. We believe, and I'm reading now, we believe that the Spirit talks to us in our everyday experiences and relationships. Through daily spiritual awareness, we aspire to better understand where these conversations are leading us in our lives. History is interesting, but we are not looking back to some original planter's written theology. So I'll leave you with this. Pick up a copy of the Beliefs and Values again. Look at it on the website. See what they mean to you. Use them as a jumping off to point to discover your own. Join, and join us on the path as we continue to create ourselves and wellsprings together. Let's join our hearts in prayer. God, in our hearts, we are grateful to be together in the spiritual community. We are grateful to have each other, to share with each other, to look to each other, to be with each other. We are grateful for Wellsprings. Amen.